0: Let's turn together to Genesis chapter 24. Uh, Genesis 24, it's at the front of your Bibles, page 17, uh, and as you'll see, it just kind of goes on and on from there. It's a, it's a long uh, passage this morning, but that's all right. We'll uh, read through it uh, and talk about it. We're, we're looking at uh, a section of Scripture that, that really deals with, and, and what we're going to look at this morning is, is, is marriage, and specifically, how do you go about uh, finding the right one uh, and I recognize theres there's lots of people in different stages and in, in places in life uh, in and among us this morning some of you are uh, a good many of you are, are single and, and probably are going to be uh, able to relate uh, quite directly to uh, to the passage others are, uh, are are maybe already married and you but and some of you may be um, plan to remain single for life and that's that's a wonderful thing as well uh, whatever state you're in, uh, it's helpful for us as a church to 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 know how we can encourage one another, uh, and, and especially those among us who are uh, are looking at, at marriage. How do we how do we encourage one another uh, in seeking a, a spouse if that's something that you desire to do? Uh, but it also looks at, brings us to something even even bigger uh, than that, and that is that that God has has prepared for Himself a bride that He has sought out and and, and brought to Himself of uh, people uh, in the church of Christ Jesus. Uh, and so with that in mind, Genesis chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, uh, and we'll read the entire chapter this morning, and this is God's word. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may, may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there so the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, and time when, the time when women go out to draw water. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord, and she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord, and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the in the way to the house of my master's kinsman, When the young woman ran and told her, her mother's household about these things, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out towards the man to the spring as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, "Come, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of, uh, of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master perhaps the woman will not follow me but he said to me the lord before whom i wa- have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way you shall take a wife for your, for my son from my clan and from my father's house then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan and if they will not give her to you you will be free from my oath i came today to the spring and said o lord the god of my master abraham if now you you are prospering the way that i go behold I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from, me, from your jar to drink. And he will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Behold, I f- had finished speaking in my heart. Behold, uh, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder. And she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter you are? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milka bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelet on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then... If you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master tell me and if not tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left then Laban and Bethuel answered and said the thing has come from the Lord we cannot speak to you bad or good behold Rebekah is before you take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken when Abraham's servants heard their, their servant heard their words he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, "Our Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gates of those who hate him. Then Rebecca and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned to, from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the fields towards evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, he was that man walking in the fields to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God stands forevermore. One of the most uh, common questions that you uh, ask a couple when you're getting to know them is is how did you meet? And uh, most of the time, uh, when when that question gets asked, there's uh, always a, a great story, isn't there? Uh, something that makes you at some point go, oh, isn't that isn't that wonderful? Oh, isn't that isn't that sweet? Personally, I like it when when they tell the story and I go, oh, huh, that's weird, uh, <laughs> but you're but you're still together and that's that's good. You're doing something right. There's something incredible though and wonderful about about how uh, two people come together and love the way that God created us and, and, and has called us to, uh, which is why what we see this morning in the, the courtship between Isaac and Rebecca, uh, it may seem a bit bizarre to us. It's not a, a, a British romantic comedy. Uh, it's definitely not a Jane Austen novel, which I'm sure we're all thankful for, although it felt like one as we're reading through it, doesn't it? It was just long and tea, you know. Yeah, no, it, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, it's a, but, but it's a wonderful love story, isn't it? Uh, even though it's vastly different from, from what we would expect of a love story in our, in our own era and culture. But this, this love and, and relationship between Isaac and Rebecca would, would be lasting. Uh, and it would have an impact on God's people uh, throughout history. That's why uh, this story matters so much. and That's why uh, the account of, of their coming together takes up such a long discourse in Genesis. But there's things that, that uh, mark this this coming together of, of this couple that instruct us in in our own marriages and, and particularly in, in deciding on, on who we should marry. And what we see is, is how important marriage is to God, that, that who you marry matters to him. And that should be our, our aim in marriage should first and foremost be to, to please him. Uh, in our choice of spouse. So let me say this that, that again, because it's, it's so important for us to grasp, actually. Who you marry actually does matter to God. And therefore, we must never uh, enter into a marriage lightly. And so I want to talk us through kind of three points this morning uh, to help us unpack this a bit and, and to unpack the passage as well. So first of all, uh, we're called to marry within the covenant. Secondly, we'll ask the question, how do you choose the one? And third, we'll see the power of covenant marriage. So first of all, uh, we see that that as God's people, we're called to marry within the covenant. Uh, when we come to we we've, we come now to uh, a generational shift, don't we? A transition uh, within God's covenant people as as Abraham is old, he's getting ready uh, to to pass the torch on to his son, where he realizes that he's not going to live forever, uh, and so he he recognizes what that that the kind of the last bit of of business, if you will, that that he needs to attend to uh, before he dies is to to find a bride, a wife uh, for his son Isaac. Uh, this is how things were done back in those days. He he wouldn't just kind of go looking for himself. Abraham, his father, uh, would have to sort this for him. So Abraham calls his most trusted servant to him, and he makes him swear that he'll uh, re- he'll, he'll return to to Abraham's family back back in the old country, back in Mesopotamia, Uh, the the place that Abraham had departed from uh, years and years ago. And from there, he'll find a wife for his son Isaac. Uh, And the reason for this is because he didn't want Isaac to to intermarry with with the people of Canaan. And just to understand this for for a moment, this command didn't have anything to do with with race or or anything like that. Uh, It was simply driven by a spiritual concern. God had made promises and, and a covenant with Abraham's family that He would make a new nation from them, and the nations that they they lived among the people of Canaan uh, were known for their for their paganism, uh, and for for uh, worshiping idols of of stone. We're told that uh, many times throughout Genesis, but the natural question this this then brings up for us is, uh, were Abraham's relatives any better off? After all, they they hadn't. Followed along with God's call to Abraham and, and Abraham's father before him to, to leave their homeland. Uh, the answer to that is is probably probably not much better, but they do seem to indicate that that they do uh, have a belief in and a following in in the Lord God. But the the whole point of this though is uh, that that the marriage that that Abraham would arrange for his son Isaac would would echo through the ages. Uh, it wasn't simply a, a, a matter of, of just finding someone uh, local that he would be attracted to. It wasn't simply trying to find someone that, that could, uh, he could have children with to, to continue on the line. Uh, the, the issue here was one of, uh, of, of the covenant, uh, of the people that God had made promises to. Uh, we begin to see that even in, in uh, the grandsons uh, of Abraham, Jacob would marry into the line of his forebears, while Esau would, would intermarry with the people of Canaan. One would be the father of God's people, the other, the other would be rejected. Uh, Abraham sending his, his servant back, back to his homeland highlights actually the, the outsider nature of God's people. We tend to think that, that a good marriage is, is based on attraction, and that even someone who, is, is, who isn't following Christ might, might possibly do so one day. However, what scripture consistently teaches, is, uh, uh, beginning actually here, is that marrying outside of the family of God doesn't strengthen your faith, and it, it, doesn't, it rarely strengthens the other person, uh, or calls them to faith. Rather, what, what happens more often than not is that you'll be led astray. Isaac wasn't meant to marry the people of the land of promise because they would ultimately be the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people. In the same way as, as Christians, we're, we're to see ourselves as, as outsiders in, in the world, not just in the land like Abraham. But we're outsiders in the world. We're strangers in it. Last Sunday evening, we, we highlighted that in, in Hebrews chapter 11. But because we we belong to a different kingdom... We're not just to simply uh, marry uh, whoever we feel like. And we're certainly not meant to uh, intermarry, if I can say this strongly, with the, with the enemies of God who, who live in rebellion against him, even if they're attractive to us, or even if they seem like nice people. See, what Abraham knows for certain is, is something that, that's true even today, that, that you end up marrying the, the people that you that you date or that you live around. Uh, in the case of Isaac, the, the person his father's, uh, in the case of Isaac, he, he's gonna end up marrying the person that uh, his father's servant dates on his behalf, isn't he? Uh, but the principle's simple and it's clear. Be careful who you date. And take very seriously the, the decision on, on who you marry. Abraham recognizes that uh, in his culture that, that he is, is responsible to find a bride for his son. And he does so according to uh, what he knows is pleasing to God. The person needs to be a person of of God's covenant people. Now, This is a theme throughout Scripture, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. God God repeatedly uh, commands his people not to to intermarry uh, with people outside of his covenant people. In the New Testament, this is... Uh, This is implied in in many places, but it's explicitly stated in in 2 Corinthians 6. The Apostle Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? In the Old Testament, God's people were were called to to marry within Israel, the, the chosen people of God. In the New Testament, Christians are called to, to marry other Christians, the people uh, with, with believers within the covenant community uh, of the church. That's actually the, the primary criteria for our marriages. Uh, for the, the singles among us, uh, you're going to have times where you're tempted to think the best spouse for you is, is the best looking, or the one who can offer financial stability, or the one that you can just get to talk to you. Uh, you know sorry I, but but scripture tells us that that the most important quality is is a spouse and a spouse is the one who who loves the Lord and, and is faithful to him first and foremost, and we 'll see those qualities actually uh, in in Rebecca, but then the struggle becomes what if i can 't find a Christian uh, that I get on with or who wants to marry me? Uh, did you notice even even abraham's servant uh Showed, showed that he was nervous he wasn't, he wasn't so sure he, he expresses the fear that so many singles uh, express uh, in the church today you know, what, what if I can't find someone you know, what if the woman won't come back with me should I take your son back to the land you came from there, should, is it, can't we compromise on this a little bit master it's you know uh, yeah it, it, it's hard to find the right one but Abraham speaks from faith and not sight, doesn't he? Abraham says, no, it's, it's better for him to remain in the land of promise than to wander back even for the sake of finding a spouse. It's better for him to remain single than to marry someone from, from this place. Now, I know among us this morning, there's all types of us, isn't there? There's some of you who, who aren't anywhere near marriage and there's some of you who, who are, are considering it and getting close. But wherever you are, God's calling, his primary calling to you in your search for, for husband or wife is to be uncompromising on their relationship with the Lord. Abraham's servant has has all but said the, the thing I, I often get asked. Maybe, maybe if I date or marry this person, they'll they'll come to faith. Abraham says, no, they'll lead you astray. But what if I can't find anyone else? Abraham has an answer for for that question too, doesn't he? Let's look at at what he tells his servant. Uh, Who's worried about accomplishing the task entrusted to him. Verse 7, he says, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. See, Abraham's learned to live by faith, not sight. He understands the sovereignty and the, the providence of God even in something as important as a son's marriage. You know, most of us struggle with, with trusting God's sovereignty uh, over us, try, believing that he actually cares for us, that he knows our needs. And so we press ahead often, don't we, with, with dating or uh, even marriage or, or, or even other decisions that aren't always good for us. Yet what we see in Abraham is that, that God cares for us. And he cares for our needs. And, and most of all, he's, he's faithful to his people and his promises to them. Dating and marriage feels for all with peril, doesn't it? But God calls us to, to patience and faith and to, to value the things that he values, which is actually healthy relationships within his community. <clears throat> now, second, we come to, to the question, how do you choose the one? Uh, and Abraham's servant gives us a very good example of, of how we should go about choosing uh, a spouse, doesn't he? Uh, first, he, he goes to the place where Abraham told him to go. He, he, you know, you, you've got to start off in the right place, don't you? A place where he knew he could find a person who could be pleasing to the Lord. And then, and then he prays. And notice what he asks for. Look at the, the sign that would show the servant heartedness. And the kindness of the young woman. look at verse 14, he says, "Let the young woman to whom I shall say, "Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, "Drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Now is this putting is this putting God to the test? Absolutely not. Uh, the servant actually wisely asks God to, to direct him to the woman and to show him by, by a practical sign that she would be uh, generous in her kindness to him. That she's the one, through that, that she would be the one who the Lord has set apart for Isaac. I've known people who uh, had really long lists of things that they were looking for in a spouse. And I've also known people who, had, uh, who, who would kind of just wing it uh, based on attraction. What Abraham's servant teaches us is to, to think simply but, but carefully about what qualities we should look for in a husband or wife. What does, what does he value in, in a spouse for his master? Well, He, he values someone who's kind-hearted, who's generous in, in her service. And those are, are simple but, but wonderful and beautiful qualities in someone that you're going to have to spend your life with. See, the, the servant knows that, that marriage is, is less about physical beauty. And it's more about serving another. We see that in Ephesians 5. We won't go there for the sake of time, but the calling of marriage is to, to be a, a picture, a, a, a constant reflection of the sacrificial love of Christ for his people, his church. I wonder what, what are the singles among us are, are looking for in a spouse. What kind of person are you asking God to provide for you? Do you want, uh, are you just wanting a good looking person that you're attracted to? Then, Well, if that's all you want, then you'll probably get that. But you, you need to consider what else you might get with that. What qualities should you value? Perhaps a person who's kind, who's sacrificial towards you, who's patient, who's both uh, able and willing to lead you spiritually, if for the ladies and, and willing to submit to your spiritual leadership, men? And these are, these are, are, are important questions we need to be asking ourselves. They're watershed questions because they'll, like with Isaac and Rebecca and, and, and their children and, and those who would come after them, uh, these are, are who we marry uh, has an impact on, on the rest of our lives and even future generations. But the next thing we see is providence take over, don't we? Uh, when we look at verses 12 through, through 25, what we see is a, a servant asking by faith for, for something very specific uh, of the Lord. And we see him receive that in, in Rebekah. Uh, relationships don't always work out this, this easily, do they? Uh, but the point is that, that this wasn't random, was it? Uh, this was actually God's providence. Uh, this was God at work in the world and, and working for his people the servant acknowledges that, doesn't he? That God's at work in, in bringing him to Rebecca and her family. He, he makes it very clear in verse 56 that he, he wants to depart immediately to return to Abraham because the Lord has, has <clears throat> prospered his work. Uh, Rebekah's family says uh, she needs to stay with them for at least 10 days. This would have been the, the time allotted for, uh, for celebrations. Uh, but Abraham's servant says to them, do not delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me a way that I may go to my master. And we once again see the, the servant-heartedness and, and even the faith of Rebecca as she agrees to, to go with the servant in obedience to God's call in her life. Many of you, are, I know, are longing for marriage this morning. But are you looking in the right place for the right kind of person and trusting that the Lord will will provide for you, we see why that why these this is so important in our, our third and final point this morning, uh, the power of covenant marriage. And this will be I'll keep this very short. I know we're short on time, uh, but ver, verse sixty seven is actually a, a beautiful picture of of what it's like when marriage is right. There's a, a deep and abiding love and a, and a comfort. Uh, even in times of grief, it says this: uh, Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Uh, something's bigger bigger is going on here uh, as Isaac marries Rebekah. Uh, we see once again the, uh, the early signs of God's promises being being kept, uh, the promises that were made to Abraham. This couple would give birth to, to two sons, uh, one of whom, Jacob, would be the father of, of the children of Israel, uh, the nation that, that God had promised to Abraham. There was a general, generational impact to Abraham's obedience and God's providence that, that echoes down to us this morning. And what I want us to recognize as, as we close this morning is that this this impact happened not only because uh, Abraham uh, Abraham was passionate about the covenant God had made with him, but because God is even more passionate about that covenant and, and those promises that He made to Abraham, God would be faithful to to this people uh, that He was He was He was raising up uh, through through Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob, and He would be faithful to them for generations, even when uh, those people were unfaithful to Him. There would be times when they uh, would marry outside of the covenant and they would be led astray, and they would suffer uh, and be taken into captivity. but through all that time the the promises would still stand until that that night that we we celebrated last month when the Son of God would would come to his people still held captive by the Romans, but even more so he would he would come to the to the people who were walking in darkness of people who were held captive to slavery and sin. And what we find in Christ is a, is a faithful obedience to the Father that's even greater than that of, of Abraham. And we, we see him claim for himself a, a bride, a people for himself in the church, a people he would lay down his life for in order to take it up again and, and to, to present his people as, as a perfect and spotless bride by his grace. We've heard lots of uh, kind of practical relationship uh, advice this morning. But, but the point of it all is actually to point us to our great bridegroom, Christ Jesus. who, is out of his great love for us. Has called us to himself. To be his people. To be his perfect and spotless bride. Let's pray.